simultaneously. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, howdy, howdy, howdy. How are you guys doing today? My name is Keegan. I'm Mitch. Hey, it's Trevor. And Hatcher Rooney. And we are the Chronicast. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. And before we get started, we want to give a big shout out to our lovely sponsor, Cinder. Thank you so much for allowing us to do this. Uh, Mitch, why don't you talk a little bit about what we got added to the fire sale? Absolutely. So there's a brand new uh, addition to the 50% off side of that menu. Uh, the healing component is now 50% off at all three locations. Woo! That is 50% off is a huge number, I think. It is. It's massive. I mean, uh, I never dreamed of paying these prices for cannabis when yeah. I was a little tyke. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little one. Uh, and Trevor, you said uh, we're coming up close, right? Uh, no, this is a very exciting time because uh, for everybody, especially if you've ever shopped at our Valley location, we have a new one that's opening up. So uh, coming here soon, shortly after you guys probably will listen to this, we'll have a brand new location for you to come check out. So definitely come on down, 1421 North Mullen. It'll be a beautiful new store. We're all ready to serve you guys. Super excited for it. Everybody's been waiting for it. Big and beautiful. If you are worried about uh, being around people like I am now, uh, it's nice and spacious. <laughs> it really is. It's nice. Elbow room. Elbow room. Yeah. yeah, it's you can create your own spinning six foot zone if you need. No moshing in there because shoot, I can't find anybody near me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about sort of like uh, us getting into the industry, our ideas of what we thought the industry was going to be like versus what it's like and we all sort of uh, changed career paths, and obviously, <laughs> there was no legal cannabis business before, but none of us were growers or anything like that, so we all transitioned into a, a big, beautiful new business, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. It seems like a fun thing. Yeah, Keegan, actually, where did you come from, Keegan? I came from a, uh, a marketing agency, um, and I used to like try and pitch like cannabis companies and be like, we need to do commercials for cannabis, and... A lot of the people that uh, we did commercials for beforehand were very conservative because we're in a conservative area. And so they just, they wouldn't listen to it whatsoever. And then one random day I checked Craigslist and there was a mysterious posting for a marketing manager. And I was like, I could do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then five years later, I'm still doing it. Hey, there we go. <laughs> what about you, Trevor? Oh, see, so for myself, I come from HVAC. I did heating and air conditioning for a decade of my life. Um, and it finally came to it one day where I was like, you know, I just need a little bit of a switch up. And I kind of wanted to get out of it. And I did all walks of it coming from install tech and then even doing like sales and estimates. Uh, but it kind of went and I found a cannabis shop that was offering part time at a pretty good wage just to be a butt tender. And I was like, you know, maybe I'm going to go back to school. Maybe I'm going to go, you know, pursue my education a little bit more join their team and a couple weeks later I'm purchasing for them and all of a sudden I just fall in love with the industry shoot who thought that selling cannabis would be so much more fun than you kind of you know walk into it you already think it's kind of a, a sexy industry right where you're like yeah we get to deal with weed all day and I like smoking weed so this will be great there's so much more to it uh, it was really exciting and it just like it gripped its nails in me so hard that here I am nice how about uh you Mitchie Poo Oh, <laughs> made you feel all of that. Uh, so I went to school, went to college for uh, biology, specifically like biotechnology. Um, and when I graduated from Eastern, uh, I got into medical laboratory science. Um, but my good friend Hutch over there uh, let me know about uh, an opening at Cinder, and I needed a part-time job uh, while I was paying for school and living on my own. So um, I joined the Cinder team as a retail associate. And uh, kind of like Trevor was saying, it, it, it just the industry got their nails into me, and I, I just didn't want 
believe so. Um, <laughs> my appendix decided to betray me, and I had to drop out of the um, uh, medical laboratory science program, continue to work at Sender, and, uh, you know, another year of that, and I just didn't want to leave. So I decided I'm not going back to school. I'm going to stick with this and see where it goes. Nice. Hutch? Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, I got this job three weeks out of uh, college. Um, I was working at Dutch Bros and then the ceramics lab at Eastern. Um, I was studying, I got a degree in human resources. Um, when I first transferred uh, in 2013, I was interested in finance. Uh, I, you know, I kind of dreamt about being a stockbroker, <laughs> um, got into some high level finance classes, uh, realized I didn't agree with a lot of it. So I ended up switching over to human resources. By the time I had graduated from Eastern, I realized I did not want a corporate human resources gig. Um, so um, my my ex was working for Cinder at the time, and they were looking for um, like a, a floor manager position. Uh, so I interviewed with them, got that position, and then just kind of grew with the company and Almost seven years later. I was going to uh, say. Yeah. <laughs> Old man winter. Old man winter got me. <laughs> man, so, so when I first uh, started, uh, when I put in my two weeks at the marketing agency, they pretty much told me I was ruining my life. Uh, I was the biggest idiot in the entire world. Cannabis at any moment in time is going to become illegal again. Good luck getting a job ever again. And it was like within a month or two of leaving that job, the Cole memo got rescinded. And I was like, those fucking assholes are going to be right. <laughs> <laughs> was there ever like a moment where you were like, I've committed to this. And then like something happens and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done this. Uh, for myself, there was a span because uh, Cinder was not the first uh, cannabis company that I did work for. Uh, there was another company that I worked for in town where I purchase and manage for them and then it goes and now I'm looking for a new gig I wanted to move away from there they just did, didn't treat their employees very well uh, and so with myself now looking for a new job all of a sudden I put down cannabis on my resume and I realized when I go into these places and I interviewed uh oh I have to almost talk about it a certain way and here's the thing I'm not going to hide the fact that this is what I did for so long uh, but I, I was nervous it would hinder me and what I actually noticed was a lot of people would either be very intrigued by it or instantly turned off by it. And at that point, I don't think I would want to work for an employer that was so turned off at the idea of cannabis. Yep. Um, and I understand, you know, at like a corporate level or something larger, if you work, uh, you know, for the federal government, yes, you can't or anything like that. Um, but it, it kind of opened my eyes as I saw more. And so I, I looked around for a little while at different things, um, some sales gigs and stuff like that. And then I looked at other cannabis shops and I actually looked on like the other side of the industry too and actually came to like companies that create uh, manufacturing equipment for cannabis was something I thought would be really cool. Uh, and we actually were just talking about this uh, just here recently uh, as it's kind of gotten brought up with us. And so I thought it'd be kind of like a fun thing to be like, yeah, you know, I want to sell like a pre-roll machine or extraction machines or something like that. That'd be really kind of cool. And it's like, and even I thought like a sexier part of it all. And then I kind of was thinking about it more and more and more. I wanted to work for Cinder. That was what it was. <laughs> Cinder was always uh, a competitor and a company where, uh, you know, you look at them and you're like, yeah, it's ran well, it seems. And I would always look at it really nicely. And so I was very fortunate to have made some good acquaintances at my uh, prior uh, place of business where they were able to put in some good words and were able to kind of nail me down right here. But I, <laughs> when I was in between the jobs kind of going through it, mom and dad were like, so are you getting out of weed? Are you going to be done with that? Or as dad likes to say, are you going to work at another dope shop? Are you going to go work <laughs> at the pot shop? And it was like, you know, I do want to work at this because I really do enjoy it. It's something you're passionate about. 
And unfortunately, I didn't go to school to be a computer programmer or learn to program video games, which is what I would love to do. But also, I like what I do so much, I could never see myself wanting to stray away from it. Um, So there was that time, really, it was a lot of family, where uh, I would say for myself, uh, not always the biggest cannabis supporters, but they support me, which I appreciate. Uh, So at that, you know, they always have my back. But there was a while where it's like, fuck, do I want to keep letting mom and dad down? Should I go do something else? And it was like, "Mm, you know what? I think I'm doing really well for myself. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I think the only time I ever doubted my decision was definitely because of, uh, you know, family's reaction to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reality of it is I believe in the industry. I believe that the plant should be something that everyone has legal and easy access to. Um, And I want to be a part of that kind of revolution. Um, And, the you know, Cinder's whole thing is cannabis redefined, right? Like, we want to change the stigma. We want to bring new light to this industry. And uh, that's something that I believe in personally outside of my, uh, you know, day-to-day work job. Um, kind of thing and so um, you know for, I've been here for almost five years uh, I'm coming up on a couple of months and um, as far as the job itself I've never really had a moment where I was like ah, I don't know if I made the right decision but uh, you know we're, we're changing the stigma my family now is completely supportive of it um, they don't necessarily always ask questions and that kind of thing they don't want to get a lecture or you know become more educated about cannabis but uh you know they're not telling me i'm gonna fuck up my life and i'm a complete failure at this point so you know good stuff that's always a plus (laughs) certainly was there ever a moment for you hutch there was a kind of a period probably about two years in it was uh before the current owners um because when we first opened the north north store was uh was had a, a separate owner they went in together and were mm-hmm. working together um but just between you know um issues with management at that time um i'd been in for a couple of years i was i was really starting to get concerned and be like well shit if i if i stick in this industry how am i ever going to be able to step away from this industry you know because having a business degree you know it's kind of pushed in you you do your four years and either you roll into your internship or you go for a corporate position. And granted, especially now, uh, I think that corporations, or at least the vast majority of them, they, they view experience in the cannabis industry differently. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just the stoners that are just trying to sell dope. Like they realize with how, how much the business side has expanded, um, we we have gotten an opportunity that most people don't to <laughs> start in what was the wild west mm-hmm. and to what it is how structured it is today um, i'm very glad i stuck around but but yeah there was there was a time there that it was just fuck am i trapped did, <laughs> did i fuck myself yeah. exactly well yeah. I mean, kind of with that it's it's almost the dot-com boom of this generation where you know there it is such an exciting thing and uh you you know it's almost like new technology of business at this point and so i think that that's really fun and exciting and what's kind of cool too is is I think actually all of us sitting around here have been doing this for so long at this point. There's not many other people that can say they have more experience in legal cannabis than us in here. And so it's, it's kind of nice like that, too, where it's still such an early thing and there's still new states that are adopting it. Um, there's been new countries that have fully legalized it or at least decriminalized it. I think that that's awesome. Um, and. I feel like it's paved the way for other things too. Uh, like even in, let's talk about like uh, in Portland, you know, we decriminalize mushrooms and a lot of stuff like that. Wow, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of cool. I like that. I think that that's a cool little step. And I think without legal cannabis, being able to prove that, hey, we're not just a bunch of people getting ripped. Um, there's the one show that was on Netflix. Uh, what was it called? Disjointed or, or mm-hmm. 
I'm not a fan of that show. No. You know, there's a great cast and everything, but it portrays cannabis shops so poorly because I will say for myself, personally speaking, I would smoke weed every single day from when I would wake up till the time I'd go to bed. It was just like my habit that I was in. Once I started working in cannabis, sit down orientation, guess what? It is illegal and we can lose our license. You will get in trouble and fired if you smoke weed on the job. Okay, I'm not going to smoke weed because I don't want to lose my job. I'm more sober now that I work at a cannabis place mm-hmm. and I love it. Um, I think it's really something that's kind of nice like that. And it, it, it taught me a lot of lessons personally, especially when it comes to cannabis, as well as just being uh, around people that are so educated. You know, I love picking Mitch's brain all the time because he'll just tell you anything and everything about weed, which is beautiful where fuck, when I smoked weed growing up, that wasn't what it was. There was there was purple and everything was something, something Kush just made up bullshit of whatever the guy ate for breakfast that morning. Right. Totally. Fucking a fucking a. <laughs> so uh, when you guys first got in. What was your expectation of it? Because when I got in, you know, it was like, this is very much, you know, like, uh, it's going to be hippies. It's going to be very mom and pop. Like, and then, like, you start going on farm tours and, like, you get high with people, like, at events and stuff. And then you start hearing some pretty crazy stories of things. And you're like, oh, not everyone is a hippie and not everyone is as passive as it seems like you would be. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be, like a dungeon, you know, especially on the retail side, like this is going to be like a hole in the wall place that you, you know, kind of have to sneak off to, you park down the streets and nobody knows you're there. Like uh, that was my experience in the black market. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I thought that a lot of that was going to kind of carry over, but, um, it's no different than shopping at an Apple store. It's no different than, uh, you know, just going to any retail environment. Really. We have a different product. Um, but, uh, the stigma did not match reality whatsoever. Yeah. No, I think that's the whole thing, too, is you go into no matter what state you almost go into, these shops are actually built out so nice where um, I've been able to take a lot of pride wherever I've worked, which has been really cool. And it's one of those things. Family come in from out of town from, you know, other states where it's illegal. And whether they like cannabis or not, they're always intrigued by it. And I want to show off the stores that I work at. And it's always just been like an exciting thing like that because you walk in and everybody's mouths kind of drop the first time. I love it, too, uh, especially there for like a little while. Um, You know, I was a little bit younger when I joined. I was 21 when I joined the cannabis industry. And so I had some friends that were, you know, under the age of 21 who might have been a year below me or whatever. So then once they I was a year in, they finally hit 21. They can come into the shop because you tell them stories and maybe you see what it kind of looks like on a Google picture review, whatever. When they finally get in there, I love that first person experience where their mouths kind of drop and they're like, mm-hmm. what? And then they see and they're like, yeah, we have infused Cheez-Its. We have infused tomato soup and all this like weird stuff that people make. Wow, how cool like that. I kind of like showing it off. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I started pretty early on in the industry. Uh, it hadn't been open for, or live, I guess, for a full year yet. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, there was a different owner at the North Store. So I did get a little bit of a disjointed experience. (laughs) (laughs) Day two of bud tending. As soon as I showed up, my manager is like, hey, let's go outside. And we go outside and hotbox her car for like 15 minutes. And then we get out and she says, go sell weed. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, "Um, I'm sick now. (laughs) Day two. And I mean, this was, I was what, 22 at the time. weed still really rocked me real different. So I was like, I mean, I could do my job stoned right now, but uh, (laughs) day two of bud tending, which is an incredibly intimidating job for the first three months, and and I was just freaking ripped like they 
put in shows like <laughs> <laughs> struggling to form complete sentences uh so you're ready to be cast on the 70s show yeah. <laughs> literally literally so so my intro was a little bit different i guess i mean i can't uh, just for me the first three months of bud tending completely stone sober was intimidating as fuck. I can't imagine having any amount of additional anxiety or brain fog or any of that. Like when I smoke, I want to go home, I wanna be home. I want to relax. I want to watch TV. I don't really necessarily interact uh, a lot with strange people. And, you know, uh, initially you're probably serving what four or 500 unique customers a day. Like I cannot imagine navigating that. It would be uh, intimidating is the correct word. Uh, wild. I have a hard time talking in a Call of Duty lobby when I'm stoned. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I would rather be by myself. My introvert side comes out like that. So that, I know that that would be hard. Uh, but even kind of with that, you know, kind of talking about the bud tender position, I think a lot of people, I think it's a beautiful position. And I really want to give it up to all of our bud tenders because it is something that is very trying and it's a very difficult thing. You're really trying to please somebody, uh, you know, on a product that uh, is very specific to what it is. And you can't, you can't change it, especially in Washington, everything's pre-packed. And so for them to be able to go above and beyond, provide that excellent customer service and do all that, but tending's kind of hard. And I think a lot of people kind of come in and you know, we've, I think we've all heard these comments. We're like, oh, I could totally do what you do or whatever like that. Yeah. And by no means do I think that you couldn't, but I think you kind of have to give it up to them where it is a little bit more difficult than you think it would be. You know, you almost compare it more so to like a, like a barista, like at Starbucks or something like that, because you do have to almost like take an order, be quick on your feet to whip something up. And that's what you have to do. Shoot. It's almost a memory game too. We carry, Mitch, how many SKUs do you think that we have? Flower alone. Uh, flower alone. I mean, like, at least a thousand. So a statistic I know for sure, we have four times the amount of SKUs as a Trader Joe's. Yeah. Wow. And so at that too, you have to remember all this because you have, you know, Jim Bob comes in and he says, Hey man, I want something that's going to help me relax, but also I don't want to eat the whole kitchen cabinet. And you're like, okay. I'm going to recommend this for you. And you just have to, you know, know all of these products off your head. I mean, we'll cheat a little bit. You go through there and you kind of look, you ask your partners, you know, you do anything that you would do in that uh, time to kind of, you know, lean on your resources, but you kind of have to play the memory game a little bit. Yep. And I think that that's, uh, you know, something that people kind of take for granted. And I think a lot of us, anybody out there, especially listening, you go into some of the shops and you have a great bud tender and you appreciate them a lot. And I think that that's, it's honestly a skill and a trade in its own, something that maybe isn't as valued as much. You know, somebody says, I'm a bud tender. And even then I'll say, you know, people are like, where do you work? And I'll say, and they instantly associate and like, oh yeah, dude, you sell weed for a living. Oh, that's gotta be so tight, blah, 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 whatever. It's like, man, it's actually kind of harder than you think it would be. But on the flip side too, people almost look down on it and they're just like, oh, you just sell weed. And it's like, yeah. ah, there's a little bit more to it than that. There is a lot of an art, especially customer service, something that I love about, you know, working here at Cinder. And I'm not just here to just keep talking so uh, high of it, but at that point, it, there's a huge level of customer service. It's a one-on-one -on -one interaction. It's almost like, hi, I'm your buddy and I'm here to sell you weed, but you don't know any of these people. Like what Mitch was saying right there, you get 500 unique people coming through uh, every single day. You're not going to have all the common courtesies to introduce yourself, go through all that. You just have to be friendly and get through it. I think especially at the beginning of the yeah. industry, the first handful of years when nobody was uh, was used to going yeah. and to, to a, a retailer. And so every customer that comes in wants to have a full-blown conversation with you. <laughs> they have 10,000 different questions. Um, yeah, it's... You know, the thing that I love too with butt tending, because it was something that, you know, I've, I've spent my years butt tending and I really enjoy it. And every once in a while, it's like, hey, Trevor, can you help out in the shop? Sure, we can put those shoes back on. Is uh, 
you, you know, you get the customer and they'll come in and be like, yeah, last time you sold me that super lemon haze by so-and-so. I loved it. It was perfect. What do you have like that? That's always the thing. And it's interesting because you go to a bar and you're like, hey man, I, I love Corona and Lime. Just give me a Corona and Lime. It's never, I like Corona and Lime, but what do you have like that, but not that? But in the weed industry, it's kind of interesting because everybody wants a different product when you come in each time. You know, varieties of spice of life. I'm all for that. I have a huge plethora of random stuff that I like to buy when it comes to cannabis, but it is interesting because you almost don't go back on what you got last time, it seems. Well, and the, the difference for us in the cannabis industry is that our consumer base is not nearly as educated about what they like and what is good for them and what works for their body is other industries. Like you go to a bar, you know what you're going to order. Like you don't go out on a huge limb and try something different every single time that you go to the bar. Totally. Like maybe every once in a while you go to a cocktail bar. Like ah, Usually I just get it on the rocks, but today we're going to go with whiskey sour and make it your way. Like with cannabis, every single time that a customer comes in, they want to know what is going to work best for them. And that's like, can you imagine working at a Trader Joe's and a customer's like, how is this cheese going to make my stomach feel? Like, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, we have to have a depth of knowledge in this industry that exceeds other retail environments by far. Uh, even if you go to, like, the pharmaceutical section of a Trader Joe's and there's the different types of vitamins that are there yeah. and it's, I don't, in my life at least and everybody that I've ever associated with and I'm curious, you know, have never been like, well, how is this vitamin, how is uh, B12 going to make me feel or something like that? You know, it, it's not a question you would ask a typical associate at a, a Walmart or anything like that even a Walgreens at that point, it's more so just, hey, where's the toilet paper at? Or something like that. It's, you know, they're able to tell you where something might be located in the store, but they don't have to have a vast knowledge of their product. And I've seen it too sometimes where customers will get upset with the butt tender if they can't answer their question. I kind of feel bad because it's like, hey, dude, you're really trying to lean on some encyclopedia that's not actually there. A lot of it, you have to shoot, smoke it yourself to try to learn or talk to your peers that have smoked it. And at that point, too, our body chemistries are so different. I know Mitch would probably love to talk about this, but, you know, the way the terpenes affect us, um, the way that I get high off of something is going to be different than how you get high mm -hmm. off something, Keegan. Yep. Absolutely. I think that that's such a hard thing because I have to, like, make menus, and it's mm -hmm. like, how do you display, like, per store, it's like a thousand items, you know? It's like you go into wine and more, and it's like you've got a thousand different, oh you know, God. like, alcohol options, and it's like there's not some giant reader board, but... That's what everyone wants is just this reader board. And it's like, there's a thousand plus products. How do you make a reader board that looks good? Everybody wants the fast food menu. We want to pull up to McDonald's and be able to look at the menu and say, yeah, I'll take the McDouble. Ooh, I see that you're doing a special on this. Totally. And you go through that route and it's like, ah, it's not always applicable. It's a little bit harder than that. Yeah. You, you can't even sometimes put up like a, I remember when I first started, I want to be like, all right, we're going to, you know, like have... Be like, we're the home of like, you know, green crack, sour diesel and super lemon haze, you know, like advertised strings. And I remembered finding out that's like, oh, you can't say that because maybe you have super lemon haze, but maybe the crop failed that you thought you were going to get. And now you're just SOL or yeah. you sell out in a week and it's going to yeah. be it takes time to grow it. It's a crop, right? It's a yeah, it's a plant. It takes a long time. You know, it's like uh, if you're getting the same thing and it's like coming out every week, it's like. That's a, a huge facility that can do that. That's yep. not like a normal boutique, nice brand. You know, mom and pop yeah. can't produce that stuff every single week. It takes, what is it, like over six weeks for just a, a yield? So, I mean, even more than that. So you have like the cloning process, which can take two weeks. You have veg, which is anywhere from two to six weeks. And then a full flower rotation, if you have a quick turnaround, it's eight weeks. And there are some strains that take 12 weeks, 13 weeks to fully flower. So, I mean, it's a long time. And 
anything that goes wrong can change the outcome mm-hmm. of that plant. So, uh, you know, if we advertise, like, we're the home of Super Lemon Haze, well, the Super Lemon Haze I got in February yeah. might not be the Super Lemon Haze that I get in April. And even more so, between brands, Super Lemon Haze is not the same thing. Like, it, it could be... They're distant cousins at that point. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, we talk about Sativa Hybrid Indica, but really everything's a hybrid these days. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a blend of different things. Like, there's no true super lemon haze unless you have the original right. genetic that came out and you know og kush there's like a hundred different kinds of og kush out there on the market so yeah it becomes really challenging somebody comes in they love og kush you could sell them three different kinds of og kush they don't fucking like because it's not the og kush that they have in their brain it doesn't give them that same effect and uh, i think that's why we really do try to focus less on strains less on sativa hybrid indica and more on your experience what you're doing how you want to feel um because you know we can work with that. That's something that, from our experience, from our product testing, that we can match you up with something that's going to get you close. Um, and then, depending on your experience, we can get you even closer the next time you come in. Mm-hmm. I remember in the first couple of years, like, sometimes if you got a new farm or you're considering a new farm, it was like, they would, like, drop off, like, six versions of uh, GG4, and it's like, which version of GG4 did you like the best? And it's like... GG4 number six, I guess. I don't know. GG46? Yeah, it's just like, just even within one facility, they know they've got six different cuts of GG4, and it's like, maybe it's actually GG4. Maybe it's whatever that guy decided to name it that week. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It never is. (laughs) What I love about GG4 in specific in that context is that GG number four is a phenotype of Gorilla Glue. There's also GG number two, GG number five. GG number four is the most popular. And so that is like our generic colloquial umbrella term for Gorilla Glue. We call it GG4. But even within the phenotype number four, there's going to be 20 or 30 different phenotypes. And depending on how you grow it, it there's so many factors that go into outcome in that mm-hmm. in that context. Well, and then you have it too, because of that, you know, each farm, how they grow it, it's a little different. Uh, what I think is interesting sometimes, and sometimes it's actually unfortunate, where I wish, I, I'm happy that we're moving away more than the Indica Sativa, like these hard labels on stuff, because we'll have it where we'll have a strain like ChemDog, which normally people associate with, oh, more Sativa hybrid or more uplifting, more buzzy. And then all of a sudden you'll get a farm and it comes in and the packaging has Indica slapped right across it. And you're like, I just built a rapport with all my customers and now they hate me because they're like, you told me it was a Sativa for years. Well, I'm sorry, these guys call it an Indica. And so I'm glad that we almost move away from it more so, where I do think like strains and having a name is important because you have to know what you're buying at that point. But I, I don't know what I tell a lot of people too, at least to an extent. And there, there is that where it's like, hey, this made me feel this way. So if you're looking for that, this will do it for you. But also you just look at the weed and be like, this looks like nice weed. I want to try that. It's yep. only what I do. Back in the day, like I was saying earlier, when I went to the buddy's house to buy the weed that he'd grow, it was Darth Vader, Kush, whatever the hell, right? It wasn't actually anything that was real, but you'd look at it and be like, ooh, that looks good. Yeah, I'll buy a little bit more this time. Yeah, That's a bummer about Washington is that um, our ability to be able to smell mm-hmm. product. Because yes. I'm a f- very firm believer. The nose knows. You know, it's it, percentage means nothing. Nope. It doesn't matter. Um, I've had 14%. Some of the best cannabis mm-hmm. I've ever smoked was 14%. And God's I think gift. the worst that cannabis is normally me. 30 plus, it says. Exactly. Absolutely. But that, I think, is one of the biggest downfalls of the Washington market in particular. And if we were able to have an effective method to be able to allow people to smell, I think that we would be able to address a lot of the issues with 
every farm having a different blue dream mm-hmm. that's not even blue dream you know totally and at that point it should just be called this is this farm's blue dream is almost how mm-hmm. you should look at yep. it more but we do still and i and i admit it that's how you go it's like yeah i do have some granddaddy purple let me go grab it for you and instead it should say actually this is so-and-so's farm's granddaddy yes. purple because yeah. it is that that unique cut it's almost the same with uh, breweries and microbreweries and you know that's actually a very close comparison when it comes to industries it's like microbreweries um because at that point too this is their pale ale. This is their, you know, juicy IPA. This is their take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the product that they're given. But if you look at it at the face value, I could just say, well, I, I like, you know, whatever. I like Pilsners. And it's like, well, so-and-so's Pilsner is way fucking better than the other guys. Yeah. The difference there between microbreweries and cannabis shops, though, is drunk is drunk, right? Drunk is, like, yeah. There might be a minor difference between, like, hard alcohol drunk versus beer drunk versus wine drunk, especially wine drunk. Um, but with cannabis, like, it, the variety of outcomes that you get is so diverse. Like, high is not high. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just within, like, flour as a category consuming, you can get so many different experiences out of that. And if you're talking about cannabis flower versus cannabis vapes versus cannabis extracts that you're dabbing like it, the the possibilities are really truly limitless i think that's a huge thing too is because i will say i go back and forth a lot between i'm a big dabber and a joint smoker is what i like um i like my dabs and doobies and <laughs> with that uh if i'm smoking too much of one and don't do the other for a while like i haven't done actually dabs in a while and i've gotten back on that train you go and you take some dabs you're like whoa I feel so different. And obviously, you know, it's incredibly concentrated and all that whole thing. But the high alone, you know, I could smoke so much flour to try to get me maybe as high. It's still a different high. Um, You totally feel different in the way that your body kind of processes it versus even how edibles are or any of these other things. And so it's interesting like that where we have this huge arsenal of weapons of how we want to smoke cannabis. And it actually really plays a big part on how you feel. Even to the point sometimes I like to smoke out of a pipe because I feel like smoking out of the pipe makes me feel different than the bong. Fuck. Yeah, I mean, I have a volcano, and oh hell yeah, I can smoke that like all day long, and it's like I feel kind of buzzed. Mm-hmm. If I go out and smoke a joint after just smoking, you know, on uh, my volcano, it's like all of a sudden it's just like Mike Tyson just punched me in the face. <laughs> you know? And it's like if I had been smoking joints beforehand, it's like you go out there and you got to smoke, you know, like two or three gram yep. joints, and then it's like you go in. And all of a sudden you try the volcano again. And now Mike Tyson's taking over the volcano. Yeah. It's just like, it's yeah, there's so many different things, especially like a bomb will always get me ripped. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sometimes a dab doesn't. And it's like, usually a dab is like a shotgun blast to the face. And then when like you haven't dabbed for a long time, you're like, I'm going to get so fucked up. Kids are gone. Wife's gone. Got the house <laughs> for the weekend. And you do that dab. And then it's like, what the fuck's happening here, guys? <laughs> Can we even just talk about when dabs first came out? Do you guys remember like your oh, first yeah. dabs and when this whole hit? Because that, that wasn't a thing for the longest time. You get flour and all of a sudden the homie's like, hey, check this stuff out. And you're like, is this like hash? Do I just throw it on there? You can, but check this. Pulls out this weird, intricate fucking device. So when God I first started dabbing. Propane torch. Yeah. <laughs> that, see, for me too, I was a little like, ooh. So, you know, I didn't really start uh, consuming till a little bit later. I was like basically almost out of high school. And I was kind of the goody, goody two-shoes kid. And blah, 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 blah. But it came to it. And so when he pulled out the torch and I saw this, I was like, ooh, this is looking a little bit more like hard drug. Now I'm like, I got like five torches around the house. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, no biggie. I have some knives that I'll keep in the cupboard just in case, <laughs> you know. But uh, when dabs first started for myself, it was the dome and nail. 
And oh, that yeah. was how it was. And I know we've chatted about this a bit where, man, what a terrible way to have to smoke weed. You heat up this little nail that you put in your down stem and it has little knobs on the side so it doesn't fall through. And once it's heated up, you have to carefully, because it's hot as fuck, put a glass dome over and around it to kind of help with airflow restriction delicately put your oil in now and incinerate it and now hit it. And so the first time I saw it, I was like, man, when I'm high, I get clumsy. There's no way in hell I'm not going to burn the house down trying to do this. And <laughs> little did I know I would get so hooked on these things and I love them so much. But then from there, I remember this was the big step up. It was like universal titanium nails. Oh, oh you remember titanium guys? Domeless. Domeless. Domeless titanium nail. And Ooh. you'd heat them red hot and if it wasn't red hot when you hit it, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> that was the crazy thing. When we started dabbing, like our group of friends that were stoners, when we started dabbing, we would take our dabs so fucking, like it Hot would snap, yeah, oh man, and you'd cough your brains out for five minutes, and then yeah, of course, you're high as shit, but <laughs> like just absolutely painful, now you're like, you've got your e-nail temp fucking machine, say, or yeah. for fuck's sake, we have a Puffco at home, it's an electric dab rig, like you set the temperature I would never would have thought uh-uh. fucking sitting in my basement torching the shit out of this goddamn piece of titanium that this would be where we're at today. And the future is now you're like laying in the bathtub and you just like pull it over and you're like, mm, while I watch SpongeBob, I'm going to get extra ripped right now. Yeah. Totally no kidding. Well, and then of that too, it's all low temp dabs now too, or cold starts. And there's so many different techniques. It's kind of interesting because the way you smoke has like evolved so much at that point. Makes me curious. What's five years from now going to look like? Yeah. The, the curve was incredible Yeah, because it was 2013. You know, we're still using, that was like right as the, the titanium nails were coming out. Yeah. And to look at just the exponential growth of it in the last seven years has been pretty intense. Wait, Eight, nine. Now we have like handheld electronic straws where all you have to do is hold down the button and now you can just like touch it to any oil and smoke it. What the fuck? This is cool. Are you kidding me? All these gadgets. I just want to go camping just to smoke weed on the go. Yeah. These new age fresh 21ers that grew up with fucking cross bangers <laughs> are spoiled day. rotten. <laughs> <laughs> Something else about the, the domes with it is again, you know, dabbing was just coming out and so when you took that dab, you were ripped. Almost without fail, you forget to take the dome off of your, <laughs> off of the piece, <laughs> and what happens is as it cools, the glass constricts, <laughs> and then it gets stuck to it, and so you don't realize for two hours until you want to take another dab. So then you have to heat up the glass, but really gently, just so it gets just warm enough to peel it off to be able to. Heat so, up so how many nail. nails have you guys shattered? And or when it comes to like when oh, I, for dome and nail, I have like a bucket still. I have this graveyard in my garage guys <laughs> every bong i've ever owned every single piece of glass broken and i just like i i don't know why but i have it and it's kind of it's nice to look at it sometimes and you go back and you look i bought this like two foot roar one time and i remember i, I was living with a roommate and we had it for like literally like a week or two and then he like takes it to the park to go smoke with his buddy and he comes back and it's broken and he's just like uh it was because the cops came and broke it. i was like shut the fuck up you guys are too stoned and dropped it but it's funny because i kept the bong and we duct taped the shit out of it to try to save it because at the time too you're like wow look at this roar bong two footer it was like 60 bucks or something you're like this is the tits now we'll spend like three four five a grand on a fucking piece or something like that some people now i'll say that's not normally me i'm a little bit more of the cheap china glass guy because glass is meant to break i'm gonna break my shit guys obviously i have a graveyard of it um but it's just kind of funny how even that's changed so much of what we smoke out of and you know the one thing too that i miss sometimes i don't know if you guys ever did it but it's very reminiscent is smoking out of a can 
I don't oh, know why. Yeah. No. I don't know why. Uh, I no. liked it so much. No, no, no. You, you no. want to hear my, here's where I'm losing many brain cells is uh, I thought I was a genius when we would smoke out of a can and I would go and be like, oh man, it sucks when the weed blows away. What if I use duct tape to create a bowl piece on it and like oh, a ring around it? So now we're smoking adhesives. God. Hey, don't worry. That didn't happen too long. It was only like a few weeks of that. But still, I mean, I can see. <laughs> it was long enough to do permanent damage. <laughs> Listen to how fast I talk. I didn't talk this fast before. Yeah, no, <laughs> Oh, oh my God. Right out of high school, um, I was working for Rosars and Produce. I had uh, one of my buddies that I smoked with a lot. He also, he worked at the same place. Um, so we would be closing all the time. And so we had probably like, it was probably close to a full summer where we would just try, we would get off work and we would just buy a different piece of produce. <laughs> <laughs> and just try and make just wonky ass pieces. And our mind, in our mind, we're like, then we won't have paraphernalia on yes. us. Because yeah. we just have an apple instead that we throw. So I'm curious then, because we all know an apple kills it. A potato works very well. I've done a banana before because you can cut the end off and we turn that into a bowl piece. Into like a steamroller? Well, no, we did. Uh, this was so stupid. It worked all right because you kind of could kind of hollow it out with a straw but when you chop off the tip of it we took all the banana guts out of it and kept the the skin the peel of it right and we used that as a bowl piece so then you could put the weed inside of it and it would hold it and then we kind of made like a little bit of a pipe out of it it worked actually pretty well aside from it's just like gooey and sticky after a little while it was it did not last long but it was a good little while while we were high and made it uh anything that you came up with though that you guys were like man this is the tits when uh, it comes to it cucumber steamroller oh, <laughs> duh. oh okay. i know what i want to do when i I go home. Yeah, <laughs> that is great. I, I feel like a pineapple would be pretty excellent. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. it's got the nice. Str- I mean, we took your hands up. But. Yeah, <laughs> coconut works kind of well, but we we literally had to use power tools. Like we had a drill that we used <laughs> for, it. but we made a bong out of it because you just shove a straw in it afterwards. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool or whatnot. But also, it's like I can't really do this on the go. I need a drill to do this. What was the first device you smoked out of? A can. Can't. It was can't. I, there's of my, my, totally. Yeah. Let me tell you more about how I love my can't. No. Uh, same can always too. No. No. Oh. no, no, no. Skin oh, resin okay. totally. Actually, yeah. I gotta go to the hospital, guys. This cough. Um, but uh, we. I remember my buddies still tease me because I was when they finally got me to smoke with them. Then we're sitting there in like the buddy's uh, garage or whatever, and uh, or we're standing rather, and they go and I had to have somebody hold the can. Somebody held the lighter, and then all I had to do was in, inhale. But me, with a little bit of my sports background, I'm like power stance, legs width apart. <laughs> you kind of like bent out a little bit, and I'm totally like ready. And they still give me shit for it because they're like, Trevor, you're the most like uncomfortable smoker. Because I'm like ready to like tackle somebody to smoke, and they had to hold it up to, in front of me, and they light it. But <laughs> there we go, and got nice and high off that first time. And I was like, okay, I can see how people kind of like this. Um, but I will say, we we got caught shortly after. It was like a week later, got caught smoking weed, and swore off weed for lasted like two years but <laughs> that was my whole first time what about you um we searched youtube and the greater internet to figure out how to build a gatorade water piece Ooh. yeah uh we did <laughs> i don't know why i'm giving you shit about using a can because we used tin foil for the fucking bowl <laughs> um which you know don't do that uh yeah, but yeah no we, we, yeah. we used a, a ballpoint pen for the down stem uh, tin foil for the bowl piece and we did uh manage to make a fairly functioning bong i think we had to use like some kind of gum to like yeah. make seals yeah, yeah the gum was the seal. Yeah, the max. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> uh but yeah there was no first timers immunity for us like uh, at least for me in particular like 
I was able to inhale the first time. Had never smoked anything before, but we managed to figure it out. And holy shit. Yeah. I mean, the rest is history, basically. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. I do want to note that it took about three hours to build said bong. (laughs) I was, I had no comprehension of how a bong functioned. And so, like, they were, like, trying to brainstorm everything to do. I was like, I have no fucking clue. You're like, don't we just, like, fire to weed to inhale, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But also, like, how that whole night started. Like, I had never, like, smoking cannabis had never crossed my mind. We were, like, Mm -hmm. two weeks into our freshman year of high school. And never even crossed my mind. And we just went over to our buddy Dirty's house on, on a Friday. And Mitch was there and a couple other guys. And they're like, Hey, do you guys want to smoke weed? Because one of our buddies had smoked a couple weeks previously. We're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's fucking try this. And so it was, yeah, for me, it was kind of a whirlwind of just like, huh, fuck it, let's go. The boys are doing it. Let's let's do our tour. That was very so for myself too. Yep, that's what yeah. it was. I did not get high though. The oh. first the first several times I did not get high. Really? Yeah, yeah, and like we ended up smoking, and then we ran to the baseball fields, the high school we baseball field, and we're dicking around in the the bleachers and everything. And I was running around, being like, "Yeah, I'm high. I'm no, I'm not." <laughs> Why are we fucking running? I'm like looking at everybody, just being goofy. I was just like, ah, "That's not where I am right like, now." You want to go watch MTV or something instead? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that night, we uh, we walked probably like six fucking miles from Dirty's house to a Safeway, got a tube of cookie dough, a gallon of chocolate milk, the weed that we were about to smoke, and walked another six miles all the way oh. back to his house, <laughs> ate the tube of cookie dough, most of the chocolate milk, and three hours of fucking construction to finally go outside under his tree and get high. You know, it's kind of funny you say that, too, because I remember that's what we would always do in the sense of, ooh, we're going to get high. Well, we need to go to the grocery store and get the best snacks we can. And it was always that, too. It's like, you can't be lacking on that. And we can't get some, like, B-tier snacks. No, these need to be the best of the best for whatever we're craving in that moment. For us, always, though, it'd be like, we're going to make nachos. And we just buy shit. We're going to make some fucking nachos, boys. Um, God, that was good. Now, Keegan, I think actually, because I think we've talked about this before, you didn't start until, like, a little bit later, I want to say. Yeah, I didn't start until, uh, like... My senior year of college, and I didn't go to college until I was, like, a little bit older. Mm-hmm. I want to say I was, like, 28-ish or so. And uh, it was the same thing kind of as you. And it was, like, I was – it was at a Christmas house party, and it was all, like, my classmates. And I found out that, uh, like, my classmates would just sort of disappear we were at the party and uh, they like broke it out and I'm like, I want to get high. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I'd always kind of been like anti-marijuana because like Mm -hmm. growing up, it was like, I met one stoner, you know what I mean? And like, that's literally, I think I've met one other person in my entire life that I just don't get along with. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, well, it's because he's a stoner. Excuse me. He's, you know, he's a loser or whatever. And so I just sort of never fucked around with weed and then I uh, got into college and, you know, it's like you're hanging out with these people and you're like, wait, you smoke weed and I don't hate you. This is interesting. Tell me more. And then uh, or I'm super drunk and everyone, you know, goes outside and everyone's like circled up and uh, they pull out, you know, the pipe. And I'm like, I want to do this. <laughs> and so uh, uh, my friend's uh, girlfriend like hands it to me and she's like, OK, here you go. And I'm like. I don't know what to do. You do it and yes, I'll inhale. Yes, yes, yes. 
that was like almost word for word, Keegan. That's like how I felt. Yeah, and so it's like I had like both of my friend, like one friend's girlfriend is like holding the pipe, the other one's lighting it and covering the uh, car piece. And uh, I just inhaled and exhaled. And then the next thing I remember is them like handing it to me again and being like, do you want another hit? <laughs> and being like, yes. <laughs> and then next thing I remember, I'm like inside and people are talking to me like, are you okay? And I'm like, so we were outside, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, I, it was like, like life was happening and then it would rewind like 10 seconds. <laughs> And it was just like that went on the entire night. And then, unfortunately, I drank too much and I wasn't a big drinker. And I got the spins while I'm like, I've never been this high before in my entire life. And so I like pass out and I'm like puking. And I came to and like one of my classmates is rubbing my back. And she's like, is he going to die? <laughs> oh, my. What's crazy to me is the first time you smoked weed, you got crossfaded. I yeah. cannot fucking fathom that experience. Like that was it was intense. Yeah. I mean, as an experienced smoker and drinker, just saying uh, that is something that is not easy to navigate even now. Uh, for a first time, holy shit. Not yeah. surprised you were throwing up. <laughs> no, because it is like, you know, I, I don't really drink. I don't do drugs. I'm a pastor's kid. And it's like, I've seen, you know, like what happens when you do drugs and you allow alcohol to run your life. So I'm like, I'm staying away from that. And then it's like, you start meeting people and you're like, wait, you're not a fucking loser. What's happening here? And then like, I remember the next morning waking up and being like, so I didn't murder anyone. <laughs> Nothing bad happened. This is all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, for myself, uh, you know, first time doing cannabis, like before that, like Patch had said, it, it never occurred to me. I was a good kid. Like I listened to what my parents said, drugs are bad, all that shit. After smoking it, it was the same thing. It's like, this is not dangerous. This is not bad. Like, why the fuck are people discouraging that? It, it didn't actually, like, lean into other substances either. It was specifically weed. Mm -hmm. I was like, nah, this is okay. We can do this, and it's totally fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll be honest. I uh, I smoked before I drank. Uh, for yeah, myself same. is what it was. Because I was a little bit... Yeah. Uh, the first time I smoked in this whole garage scenario, I was younger. And... Uh, it, it definitely painted a picture, but then I drank for the first time. It's like, okay, you have like a couple sips of the beer. And even my dad would be occasionally be like, here, you, you want to try? Because I'd be like, oh, you drinking beer or whatever? What's this one or whatever? Just trying to be involved, right? And it's like, well, that's disgusting when you drink a beer for the first time. And then you finally get like drunk. And I remember too, and the first time that I got drunk, it was like Porter's vodka or some plastic bottle, just trash Monarch or something at this point. And I was like, this isn't as fun. This is like kind of terrible. I feel sick. I feel kind of sickly. And I would say even now, like, and, and I do drink even, uh, you know, I love my tequila. I will comment because it's just, I know totally. Uh, but, uh, with that, uh, I still just prefer smoking so much more because I just don't feel, you don't feel so ill afterwards or whatever. And I'm not trying to say like, Hey, everybody go try. It. It's like, no, definitely do whatever you want to do. But in the comparison of that, you know, they're both just kind of inebriators and it's so common and okay where people are allowed to go have a beer on their lunch in Washington. Mm -hmm. But if you go and you hit a, your dab pen on your lunch or something like that, oh my God, you're, you're a devil. And it's like, well, okay, people, you know, it's not quite that. They're just not used to it. And uh, I do got to kind of comment, you know, Mitch said, listening to his parents, he was a good kid. For me, it was a lot of dare. I remember there was like the one commercial specifically where there's like the lady totally deflated on the couch yeah. or whatever like that. And it's just always something you kind of look at. Now we kind of tease or joke around 
about it and whatnot. But as a child, it, it I got to say it did work and it made me kind of want to stay away from it until you smoke it. And then you're like, oh, I see the bullshit. And then after I drank, I was like, oh, I like weed. Mm. <laughs> I will say though, Keegan, your first experience sounds like one of those commercials. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, I want, fair. Whatever, I want whatever strain that lady was smoking. I want my bones to disappear. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Man, I remember those commercials. Those things were intense. And it was, uh, God, who was it? The uh, Was it Rachel Lee Cook, I want to say, where she'd be like, and this is your brain on drugs. And, and she'd smash, smash the egg. And then she'd be like, and this is what happens to your friends. And she's like smashing <laughs> plates. And your family. And she's just destroying it. I remember being like, yeah, this yeah. is what happens, guys. Yeah. So if you straight smoke, edge. <laughs> if you smoke weed, you become Italian. I'm not. <laughs> that sounds all right. Uh, kind of though, Keegan, uh, I will say for myself, though, because there was that while we smoked, we got in trouble. And it was like, OK, we're not going to smoke for a while. Kind of swore off of it. I had a similar thing where there was just like one stoner that was just like such a bad person. And here's what it is. I actually since then, they've been involved in my life for a while. And they're just a bad person is what it was. Yeah. And I equivalented weed with them so much. Um, we had a party and they left the can that they smoked out of cans again uh, up by like the driveway and it was just like what a bunch of losers and fuckers they, they're gonna get us in trouble for having a party blah, blah blah because they just left their shit everywhere or whatever no that person would have done it whether they smoked weed did meth just drank or was straight edge it didn't matter they were just a, kind of a bad apple and so at that point it really kind of just painted this picture for me for a while where I was like oh no anybody who smokes weed is you know I'm gonna say a little bit of like a loser or they're just a bad person and then you meet some people and that's what it was I had some friends where it was like oh wow you guys are now like you know successful robotics engineers and you love smoking dope and I think that that's badass because you do such crazy stuff and you're so intelligent blah blah whatever and you like weed and it's like yeah there's there's no correlation with that anybody can like cannabis and mm -hmm. even then we see people like Elon Musk or whatever who enjoy cannabis I mean without cannabis we don't have Apple devices yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we just don't like Steve Jobs did not produce that product without a significant amount of cannabis in his life yeah. like there's there's just no way and that's the thing right like changing the stigma we're all successful individuals who also consume cannabis mm -hmm. it, it, it's not a deterrent for me I de-stress with it I get creative with it I have some of the most hilarious best thoughts while consuming cannabis um it it does add to my life and it's you know that might be a sticky thing to say that a drug can add to your life but i mean how many people consume coffee every single day and yeah. are horrible people until they have that caffeine in their body cannabis is kind of the same thing for me uh, in particular i've always thought it was weird that people are allowed to be like giant assholes it's like don't talk to me until i've had my coffee and it's like i can't say don't talk to me until i've had my bag yeah and it's like exactly. no that doesn't work why do your why is your drug allowed to be like oh you uh, this is the thing that allows me to be an asshole is i'm addicted to a drug and at that point too obstacles and excuses you're just trying to make an excuse to be an asshole like yeah. chip up and don't be like that oh amen that <laughs> grinds my gears I mean, Grinds my cue. I will say I'm kind of an asshole until I've had caffeine. No, Mitch, you're always an asshole, silly oh, man. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Shit. No, it's exactly what you're saying, though. Like, the guy looking back as an adult, it's like, well, the kid was permanently fried in fourth grade going on. Probably didn't have a great family life. Probably why he was a difficult person to deal with. Why he was shitty. And it's just like, looking back, it's like, you can understand these things, but when you're growing up, you're just like, it's the weed, man. Yeah. 
I don't think that anybody that looked at us in high school would have ever known how big a stoners we were. Mm-hmm. Like it, we were the undercover kids, but we we at least from my memory, I was never exposed to somebody before I consumed cannabis that was a cannabis consumer, especially not openly at fourteen. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so I I don't know. It, yeah, we're yeah. here to change the stigma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, growing up, especially in Walla Walla, that was that was always a real thing because you know, at freshman in high school, like there's parties. You know, people go and get drunk. Completely acceptable. In fact, cool. But we, it was very hush hush. The the group of us that smoked, it was really on the down low. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I found out that all of my friends in like high school would go and get high together, and it was just like. We don't invite Keegan because Keegan says he doesn't smoke weed. And it's just like, oh, I've been surrounded by stoners my entire life. I just didn't know it. Keegan's like, I thought you guys just didn't like me. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, I just thought we fucked off at 1130 and I just couldn't yeah. find it. It's <laughs> this weird game you guys play. It's hide and seek, but I just never find you. Yeah. yeah. Hutch and I just wander off to the train tracks out of our buddy's house, get high, and then come back and join the party. Like, it, even amongst our core group of friends, like, my favorite people in life, we'd still hide that shit because it was a bad thing. Like, you don't do that. That's yep. what bad people do. So, well, and now it's kind of interesting because, you know, before I, I totally agree, you'd have to sneak away. And even then, uh, I would even say with legalization to an extent, right there, it was still something that was so, you know, looked down upon, frowned upon. Now I feel like we're at such a point where there'll be nights we'll go out downtown, Spokane, and we're having drinks and we're having a good time or whatever. And I will admit, we'll go smoke a joint in a parking lot. And we've had cops walk right by us and they literally make no comment at all. I've been to festivals at the Gorge and there was one time, I mean, we're kind of drunk and we pull out this blunt because we had rolled so many of them. We're like, hell yeah, let's smoke this. We were literally standing on the walkway, which is probably the bad place to be doing this <laughs> as people are trying to like uh, commute there right above like the main stage. It came when security guards came up. I was like, hey man, would you mind just like either going down the hill a little ways or going over there or putting it out? And I was like, hey, thank you for like options and not just coming up and being a dick or anything like that. But also I love that he's just like, yeah, go smoke weed over there. I don't give a fuck. And I'm just like, sweet, this is kind of nice. Just stop making a safety hazard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. literally. You're just, you're just in the way and you're impeding traffic and people are trying to walk here. Oh, fuck, and my bad. Don't make other people get exposed to that if they don't want to. Like, Amen. respect everyone's choice to mm-hmm. do or not do. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's my thing with drugs in general. Like, as long as I can do what I'm comfortable with, you can do what you're comfortable yeah. with. As long as it doesn't affect me, yep. I'm cool with you doing whatever the hell you want to. Totally. Ride that train. Ride that train. Buy the ticket, take the ride. Beyblade, let it rip. (laughs) Oh, shit. Um, (laughs) So, uh, we've talked a little bit about, like, some of our first times and everything. What... Is there anything now to where you're still just randomly, like, that, that will get you? You know, like, um... Like, I will... My girlfriend or my wife uh, likes edibles because um, she can't really smoke anything unless she's like going to spend the next 10 minutes coughing. And so we have a lot of edibles and stuff. And like I, I can do every single edible in the world. And it's like it just doesn't affect me. But every once in a while, it's like just one random like it's usually like something by Zoot when I used to get Zoot products. But it was uh, it just randomly will get me. Are there still things where it's like. I am so used to this one thing. And then there's just one random contender comes in and just slaps you. Uh, the little rays, mm. the hundred milligram shots. Those are insane. Yeah. Like I know that you can dose those out, but that's it. 
ultimately not how they're designed mm-hmm. to be consumed. Like if you throw back a hundred milligrams in one of those little things, you're in for a ride. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember doing, uh, I bought, uh, it was like a Seahawks game. It was a Thursday night Seahawks game. And so uh, I was like, I'm going to, you know, uh, the game starts at like 530 or whatever. So I was like, at five o'clock, I'm going to drink, you know, my uh, raised lemonade and I'll be good to go. And it's like, I completely forgot that the raised lemonade just hits right into your bloodstream. Right and so it's like, I'm used to not being affected by edibles. And so I just... I love, you know, lemonade and stuff. So I just chug it down and it's like 15, 20 minutes later. I like, I can't do this. And like, I sit down and I just like, my child is like, you know, trying to play with me. And I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) and I just remember looking at my wife and being like, never allow me to do that all at one time again. Am I potty training him or is he about to potty train me? And then it's like, you know, you're you're asleep like uh, half a quarter in and I'm just like, fuck, I just like completely screwed myself <laughs> over. <laughs> Didn't even get to watch the game. Yeah. God damn it. Now, dabs for me, I'm, I'm, I'm the lightweight of this group, 100%. Um, dabs for me, that's not something I'm approaching anytime besides like Friday night. Like that's not a Monday evening kind of uh, cannabis experience for me. Um, I do like my 10 milligram edibles. I am a 10 milligram Tom. Um, sometimes 20, depends on how Ooh, wild we nice. want to get. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I mean, those Constellation space capsules that we have now, they are amazing. It's my favorite floaty, like body impacting high. I can go up to 30 milligrams. I haven't seen these. So these are capsules? Yeah, so, okay. So, I love the capsules. Oh, man. These are, I see, generally speaking, I don't like capsules. Really? I don't think they're effective. But these in particular, they're made, uh, the infusion material is a bubble hash, and they infuse that into coconut oil, and the high is just phenomenal. Uh, they're consistent, which is one of my main complaints with capsules is like 10 milligrams for this capsule versus 10 milligrams for this capsule in the corner. Not the same experience. These are extremely consistent. You know what you're going to get. Um, and I don't get anxiety. I don't get that. Like I'm going to die feeling no matter how many of them I consume. Um, I had a migraine this week. I threw back an entire uh, set of those, 100 milligrams to the face, and I was as high as I had been in, like, a fucking year. Like, my wife came home from work and was like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I'm fucking stoned. Uh, But, you know, that's one of my favorite products right now. I would say that that gets me into the place I want to be more consistently than any other edible on the market. Nice. I've really been enjoying the wilds for... For uh, edibles, because you know, like I'll slam one of the the baby rays, and like it'll get me high, you know, for sure. But it's it's usually uh, controllable, and so like, Hutch is just calling you out, Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. I like, am a lightweight. I yeah. admit this. <laughs> Plus, Mitch has seen me dab because I kind of stopped dabbing recently, and uh, so I only ever dab with Mitch's wife. And he's seen her ruin me a couple yeah. of times <laughs> in the last six months. It's, but uh, but no, with those wilds, uh, going from 100 milligrams of those baby rays to like throwing back like three of the wilds and be like, ah, you know, I'll feel it a little bit. I've been floored a couple of times. <laughs> like, wow, what is happening? I used to be a proud stone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bitch. You know, I'll say no matter what, edibles and me, oof, they always get me. I, cause I do have some of the wilds at home, which I, man, they taste so good. And that's the issue too with the edibles is they're like, hmm, here's 10 milligrams, but don't worry. We made a fucking 
coconut snowball from Hanu or something like that. And you're like, man, these things taste so good. I just want to keep eating them. But if I do, I'm I'm out. Just like yeah. Keegan was saying, it's like, no, I'm not going to last. And at that point, I just kind of like almost want to go to bed because it just sounds so nice at that point. Um, so edibles, I'll always kind of be dainty around. But for myself, the ones that always floor me is, uh, you know, infused pre-rolls. I'm a big pre-roll smoker is what I really like. And I have my buddy, Michael, shout out Michael. Uh, we'll go to like the gym or we'll hang out. And every single time he's like, you know, I got an infused pre-roll and we first got really hooked on like the oleums are like phenomenal. I love those sugar cones from oleum. I think those are like some of the best joints that you can get for a nice infused one. You have to kind of cowboy roll them out, you know, loosen them up. It's all about the airflow with the pre-rolls. Otherwise, you know, we see where they run and or canoe people will say, um, it's just, ah, you gotta get airflow, but those would always get us. But now we'll just like try these different random ones. We had like those constellation rosin ones or whatever. And, uh, they had the one, it was called rainbow flame. And I think you'll appreciate this, Mitch. We call it Ho-Oh because it's a rainbow flame Pokemon. And we literally <laughs> like, yeah, you got any Ho-Ohs? It doesn't even matter the strain now. We're just like, Ho-Oh. And, uh, so we'll do that. Um, and, and just some of these other brands, and it's kind of fun because you can almost try the different ones as long as you know, it's like a pretty reputable farm that they'll do something good. And you, I will say. You got to pay at least maybe 12 to 15 bucks to get a good infused pre-roll. There's some that are good deals that are a little bit cheaper, but they might not be as enjoyable of an experience. And so sometimes we'll just get one of these infused pre-rolls and you're sitting there and it's like nothing's really whatever. We're smoking the doobie like we always will. We're about to play some games and all of a sudden you're like drooling a little bit and you're like, oh yeah, I'm fucked up because this thing hit me hard. Yeah, that, that's House of Cold Fires infused pre-rolls for me. The, it's Grand the, Cruise. Oh man, they fucking send you for a ride. Um, it's one of my favorite things Friday night. Mindy, she's a super stoner. She could put all four of us under the table, <laughs> no problem. Um, and she'll bring home House Cultivar pretty much every Friday, and I'll take two hits off of that thing, and I am sailing for like three hours. Like, oh, this is amazing. And then I start to come down, it's bedtime. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love uh, the when we used to get the God, where, like the little noisy cricket. Oh yeah, oh, deluge's yeah. two packs. Yeah. yeah, those things were so good. Why did they stop doing that? So, um, without getting into the details too much, there was a disagreement about who actually owned that mm, label. That's right. Um, they are back now. Ooh. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And new they strains. have new flavors. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, still have the noisy cricket, so you can still get wild. Uh, still the baby Jesus, um, but now they have this like pink Kush one. That's a really fun hybrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice balance between body and head high. But you know they're back. Yeah, yeah. bubble bubble hash is fun. Nice. That's, that's a great thing to smoke. I yeah, because I remember like. On uh, social media, it was always like, do you guys have your noisy crickets? Do you guys have your uh, the deluge joints in? And I'd be like, this is crazy. What is this? And so I went in and I asked for it. And like, it's <laughs> they're the, so small. Yeah, it's the smallest little joint. I'm like, okay, this is like, because it's cheap or whatever. And then I went home and smoked it. And I'm like, holy fucking shit. It's the noisy cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Never had the blanket pulled over my head so hard as those joints will do to you. Yeah, it's, I don't, yeah, I, it must be the bubble hash that's way better. Yeah, so on the note of things that get you, hash, every time I smoke hash, it's just, it's it's a type of extract, right? It doesn't use solvents or anything, but that is such a different kind of high, like the way that that interacts with your body, um, that will usually get me. I can tell the difference between like a distillate infused yeah. and a hash joint just from smoking it without seeing the packaging and having no information about what we're smoking. You can tell when it's a hash infused pre-roll for sure. Well, yeah. what's kind of cool too, and I agree, I really like hash and it gives me hope because if the zombie apocalypse ever comes around, it might be a little bit harder to come about like extraction machines, distillate might go away for a little while or whatever. Hash, we can keep pressing stuff. We can do that. 
How, how is hash exactly made? Because I'm kind of familiar, but not super. Sure. The, I mean, there's different methods, right? Like you can do like ice water bubble yeah. hash where you have like different uh, sizes of screens um, and that uh, refines or it pulls different sizes of trichomes um, and that will give you like a powder or you can get a, like a traditional Lebanese pressed hash, which is... Um, Again, kind of like that screen, you get go for Keef kind of, and then you press that into pucks. Um, and then I, I guess technically rosin is a type of hash, which is more about heat and pressure of raw flour, and that squishes out the... Um, Sticky icky. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's <laughs> nice watching those. Yeah. For, uh, that is one of my favorite kind of extraction type videos, is watching squish videos. Uh, it is really uh, quite interesting. Um, there was a little while the buddy and I, we got really into it, or we were, started smoking hash, and we are like, wow, this is great. Great. And we're, he's like, you only have to do heat and pressure. We look up online and you can get like a, a hair straightener oh, and God. you put like a parchment paper in there. <laughs> oh, I've done it all. I swear. Oh, of course. Course. <laughs> we go and uh, you just throw the nug in there and you kind of like press it down. And I remember when we first did it and we're like, oh, this can be so badass. And the yield is so poor because it's literally just like a hair straightener and we aren't pushing that hard. And so you go and you kind of scrape up what you got and then you look at your nug and you're like, this is sad now. And you're like, do you want to smoke this? I don't know. Not really. I don't think. So we've been there, done that, but never quite have done anything with like gas or solvents. I'm not trying to blow up my closet and please don't. Yeah. Well, I, I've, I've dabbled. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> uh, we used to get these hand blown glass tubes that you could uh, shove ground material in and then jam the end of a frozen butane can into and you could get extracts and we would do that outside. Don't do that inside. Don't do it at all. Just, just buy the process stuff. Um, but yeah, back in like the, the medical days when extracts were kind of few and far between, you couldn't get that from your guy down the street. Uh, we would dabble a little bit in extraction um, and that was fun. Like you could, uh, one of my favorite times ever, we went to one of the local medical stores, um, was it Lilac, uh, Lilac City Garden, I think was uh, what it was called back then. Um, and we got seven different strains, one gram at a time, put all seven grams into our seven gram extraction tube and blasted that. We uh, affectionately refer to that as Omni Oil because that shit would make you talk to God. Like 100%. Like, oh, I, I, I see what you're talking about. Like, yeah, heaven is real. All right, cool. I remember working at the news uh, when I-502 was first passed and it was always just tons of stories of like, this house got blown up today. This car got blown up today because they were making cannabis concentrates. I know a couple of guys have blown up their kitchens. Like it, it, it is dangerous. Like yeah. it is not yeah. for a novice to be doing. Like there's a reason that um, these facilities are, uh, you know, explosion proof, yep. rated rooms. Like 100% do not do this at home. Um, but back in the wild west, man, like. Do what you gotta do. We mm -hmm. wanted the dab. We wanted to fucking mm -hmm. burn our fingers on that dome and nail like a hundred percent. Let's do it, man. I remember the first time I dabbed, um, and uh, you know, like they break out the giant, you know, bong or whatever or dab rig, and um, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And I'd only kind of smoked a couple of times beforehand, and um, they break it out, and it's you know, big. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, I got to play it cool. And so I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And so they then break out like they were, um, fabricators. So they had, you know, the giant industrial, like looking, um, blow torches. And I'm just like, oh, we're about to do drugs. Yes. <laughs> yes. The first time my mom saw me, take a dab, she was real concerned. Yeah. Like, real concerned. Like, okay, we're comfortable with cannabis, but that's a plant. What the fuck are you yeah. doing? Yeah. 
And I, I'm inserting the fuck. She would never say that, but <laughs> Dina's a saint. Yeah. Love you, mom. We love you, Dina. <laughs> love you, mom. Um, I remember uh, after like, well, I'm like inhaling because, you know, like on a, a bong, you, you pull to pull. And uh, oh. and uh, I remember like putting my hand there and looking at the guy and being like, and the guy just slapped my hand out. <laughs> he's like, no. Because I'm like looking at it. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. But this is like what I've done before. I mean, the advancement in like dab rig versus flower smoking devices is wild, too, because they used to be the same thing. Like mm-hmm. When dabs first came around, you'd take your straight tube, you'd throw a nail on there, and now we have a dab yeah. rig, right? But now there's like specific glass for that. It's a little bit more obvious not to uh, pull that. I actually have done that myself, and it wasn't from necessarily a, a place of like, I didn't know that was a bad idea. It was more like the weed was working. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, oh man, we have come so far. Mm-hmm. It is wild to think about. I know, well now too, with my dabs, how I do, I have a health stone, and I know I rave about these all the time to you guys, where it's literally a lava rock that's set in like a glass bowl piece kind of like it's fit for it and uh you just put your oil on there cold so the only thing that's a bummer is i'm a big terp sauce guy i love it saucy i love my terps i love slapping them i like all that flavor and that juice but it's a little bit harder because you have to put it on there dry and cold or whatever like that and so at that point it's like well okay i'll get like some nice sugar wax or whatever but you just put it on there and then you just have like a little bit more of like a cigar torch so a little bit just like a handheld lighter more so look to it and you just uh you smoke you put that towards it and let that heat it up the rock gets hot and it's porous so it soaks up all the oil and it keeps that temperature just for a little bit just long enough and then you get all your smoke right there you can take large dabs just like with a breeze hi i work for healthstone now apparently uh it's just like such a great flavorful easy experience to be able to take a dab and every single time anybody that's been like a hardcore dabber i get them over and they'll try it everybody loves it because there's so much convenience i don't know about you guys but my issue and i'm a big dabber i've gone through i countless oil in my life I hate sitting there heating up my fucking nail. There's something about heating up the nail where it made me go buy an e-nail. It made me go buy everything and anything in between because I was like, man, I just don't like having to do this. This Hellstone, perfect solution for me because it almost feels like you're ripping a bowl real quick. You just put the lighter to it and you're like, boom, about it being done kind of a thing. What's cool is within seconds, it's cooled down. You can grab it, touch it. It doesn't even matter at that point. Now, it's not 100% efficient. I Mine has the reclaim catch on it and it, man, it fills up. But uh, it's really nice like that. And I think it's the convenience definitely gets me and just like the smoothest smoke. How many times have you smoked reclaimer resin in your life? I don't want to go down this road. <laughs> Man, you get it and you just are like, you, you can't throw it away and all of a sudden you got the glob sitting at the bottom of the rig and you're like cleaning out the rig and it finally ploops out and you're just like, well, I'll see how you get me. But isn't there something about it with like Reclaim where it's like, man, it gets me so much higher almost in a sense. And it's, what, it's heavier because it's higher in CBN. Is that what it is? Yeah. That would make sense. Totally. Yeah. Um, I can't even believe I'm going to say this. Other people are going to hear this. But uh, when I first kind of got together with my college group of friends, uh, they had a not so affectionate nickname for me. I was the chimney sweeper because there was no weed too black for me to try to smoke. Like... It, it's, it's the gone. bottom of, yeah, hundred percent. Unless I'm seeing fireflies and getting a little bit of Scooby snacks, that bowl's not finished. Like, yep. Let's get after it. I mean, poor college kid, do what you got to do, but I know. And now you I feel wore bad. that with pride. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hundred percent at the time. Now I'm embarrassed. But. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Well now, and I'll tease us, especially people that work in the industry. I think we've all kind of come to it where we kind of smoke a little bit like Kings, you know, it's a oh, little yeah. bit easier to get cannabis. You're around it so much more, you know what you like. And all of a sudden it gets you over. I've had people who are like, ah, oh, that, that bowl's a little too smoked for me. And I'm just like, fuck that. And I always make a joke. I'm like, there's kids out there that would love to smoke this. And so I'm like, here, let me smoke it down for you. Um, I got no issues with that. If it's not green, I don't want it. Is that how you are now? Yeah, 100%. Like, you're right. We're we're spoiled. But, I mean, I'm 
But you worked together. You worked together. 100%. I did. I've earned this spot, but I have more weed that I know what to fucking do with. Like, I want to, I do want to taste it. Like, I'm not just a terp chaser when it comes to concentrates, it's Mm. also with flour. Um, Pre rolls are a convenient thing, right? Like, that's, I I smoke pre rolls from, yeah, for convenience sake. Uh, But yeah, if we're smoking a bowl, like, that's, it's all burnt on top. Okay. I know there's green underneath there, but unless you're going to scrape off the black shit, like, I know. I'm gonna load a fresh bowl. We're good. See, here's my thing, and I and I hate to admit it, but I will. Is uh, I smoke so many joints because I used to smoke cigarettes, and I quit nicotine. And so for me, I love the hand to mouth. I yep. love my joints like that. A lot of the times, I'll go home, I'll light a joint, and you almost just like let it sit there, and you kind of have mm-hmm. it in your hand a little bit. You take a couple of hits, you put it down in the ashtray, and you kind of chill like that. I would never smoke a cigarette in my house. So at that point, it's just like, oh my god, this is so nice being able to smoke this in the house. I don't know the last time I busted out my bong. I think it was literally when my buddy came up from Oklahoma to come stay. Uh, Corn, if you're listening to this, and uh, it's October of this last year, whatever like that. So it's been like months since I busted out the bong, and it's just like, uh, I just like my doobies and then my dabs. I, yeah, I just stopped using my bong because I broke it. Oh, I yeah, broke it in like every did you keep it. No. Oh, <laughs> what's wrong with you, or what's wrong with me? <laughs> I, I, yeah, <laughs> <A lot. laughs> I've broken every bong I've ever bought, and. Uh, we had like a, a charity event, you know, a couple of years ago, and I won one of the uh, raffle prizes, which was like a uh, like heady glass or whatever. So I've got like this really nice bubbler that's probably like six hundred dollars, if I remember correctly, like retail and just like it just it sits in like a case or whatever. I'm just <laughs> like, no, nah, I'm good. My session bonds really, really nice and cheap. Uh, do you guys have any really expensive glass though? Or are you guys kind of more, I, you know, the terms like heady is what people will say or whatever. Do you guys have some nice like headier pieces? Is that something up your alley? So I'm a cheap heady guy. So from my perspective, yes, yep. uh, I own a Helix bong. Okay. Um, but, you know, there's like 160 bucks. Yep. Uh, I'm not in the Illadelph. I'm certainly not. Uh, I, I like scientific glass. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care about your pearls and your fucking little flanges coming off that are colored. Um, but I do have two Puffco Peak Pros. Okay, there you go. But you know, that's like an electronic and a gizmo. And I know you're like a technology guy, kind of like myself, where I just love buying my stupid gadgets, where I have like a $250 e-nail at home or whatever, which just sits in its box now because the Hellstone is just more efficient. Yeah. Um, I have a mini nail that I used religiously for several years. Hasn't seen the light of day in 18 <laughs> months, but uh, but yeah, uh, that as far as electronics, that's definitely the nicest I've ever gone. Um, I have a beer glass rig. Ooh. Um, I do have a couple of beer glass rigs. Yeah, right. which is like, <laughs> yeah, it's common man heady, yeah. you know, which is right. The sweet spot, it's artistic and cool, but very functional and still reasonably priced. Um, and then I do have one ridiculous bubbler. Um we had it at the North store uh, when I first got hired on. And then the charity event that Keegan was referencing, what, five years after that, it still hadn't sold. It was retailing <laughs> for $1,000. Oh um, and eventually we were just like, we got to the point where we, we just wanted to clear out all of our heady glass. So the, the majority of it went into this raffle. I scored it for 100 bucks. No nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. And unfortunately, I've smoked out of it like four times. Well, I feel like with something like that too, for myself, so I'll say first, like all my pieces, I will literally go to like the China glass shop and look for a piece with minimal perks because the more that you have in that sense, I feel like it gets more difficult to clean normally. And because mm-hmm. oil rigs is what I end up having to buy mostly because I'll do my dabs. The bong, I'm just like, eh, whatever, give me a straight shooter, a beaker. That's all I need in life. Um, so I'll go through that, but I'm like 60 bucks match because I know I'm 
gonna break it. Somebody's gonna break it. It's whatever. And it's not just for myself. I'm just not like, well, ooh, I want this crazy like mothership piece. Like I remember I had a friend and he won this mothership piece off like their Instagram giveaway where it was like the banger itself was like $600. And it's like a $1,500 piece other than that. And it has like the little uh, cap that's like all part of it and it like flips over and it's like a, it's a whole thing. And so we would take a dab out of it and we'd only smoke like six star hash rosin out of it and stuff because, oh my gosh, you'd have to out of this thing. Okay, totally. So we do that. And then he would sit there and for like 15 minutes, he'd clean it after like every single dab and would just like take isopropyl alcohol and a Q-tip and do that. And I'm like, man, I want to get high and do something else. I don't want to get high and clean what I just got high out of. Yeah, I, used I smoked to have, out of cans. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a scientific inhalation. If you've ever heard of that bong, and it's like this whole system of like, uh, uh, what is it? Filtered charcoal and organic cotton and all this other stuff that you're supposed to load after each like session, and you have to like clean it. Otherwise, like you're as soon as you try and pull the cotton out, it's now just stuck to it because of all the resin, and it's the same thing. It's like. It takes me five minutes just to like get ready. And it's like, I don't want to take five minutes to pack my bong full of things that I'm not even sure actually do anything, but they have marketing materials that make me feel better. Yeah. I've, I've smoked out of bongs that were so expensive that I was nervous to even touch yeah. them yeah. like that. I wouldn't want to own that. Like, I have dogs for one. Like, yeah. All it would take is a straight tail to come across the table, and now that shit is worth nothing. Um, I'm all about function. Function is king. See, for me, I just have me living in my house where, you know, I play VR, and there's this one game. It's Ultimate Frisbee in space. It's super sick. And uh, I was playing. This is actually one of my most recent flower bunk. Did get broke, and I had to buy a new one. Uh, and as I'm playing, I just had it sitting on the coffee table. And you kind of, as you're playing VR, you're in your space, and you can kind of see where you're at because it shows some, like, lines for you as you go. And I'm kind of creeping closer and closer to it. And all of a sudden, I have the disc open goal. Guys coming up behind me because they're a little bit faster. I got to chuck this. So I throw it as hard as my little arm can, and I chuck it, and I fucking also take out my bong with it. Just karate <laughs> chop it into the next dimension. Oh, so after that, too, it's one of those, and you hit it. Well, it's so great, too. And this is what I kind of love about video games a little bit is you do get a lot of, like, people. Typically, I feel like uh, they're maybe more weed smokers when you go into these lobbies. Somebody's like, dude, did you just knock your bong over? <laughs> Some guy just shouts. And I'm like, yeah, one sec. You take off the headset. You got to clean it up. And I'm like, eh, it'll be fine. The cat's not around. You got to finish the match, right? But that was a little bit of a sad one where I was like, okay, I guess I won't leave the bong out in front of me anymore. <laughs> it's the convenience of it, though, where it's like, I don't know. I do like to have my weed smoking stuff. Like, I have an ashtray maybe in more spots than I should around my house where there's one in the kitchen and also on the other side of the kitchen by the oven and then also down at the coffee table. Maybe there's one by my bed. You know, so you get all these like ashtrays around. That's where I start to accumulate stuff. Do you guys kind of leave your paraphernalia out and about like around your house or whatever? I'm with Keegan. It's probably a little bit. You have a little one, so you don't want to maybe as much. You have it up higher at least. Yeah, I have um, like a wood lock box that um, I had our our head of HR. He, he, she has a husband named Jesse who makes just incredible wood pieces. He does a, a lot of our woodwork in the stores if you ever come in. And uh, my wife had him make me for Father's Day uh, this beautiful box. And so it's just like every time it's sort of like a ritual, I get to open it up. Oh, that's so cool. Smells lo- uh, like beautiful wood mixed with nice weed. Because, you know, like you said, we, we get a discount, so we get to smoke like kings. And so it's like it's all high-end stuff. And it's just like... Oh, it's so good. And it just, it sets the tone for it. Uh, my shit's all across my house. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I need to work on it in case uh, my 
my property management team comes in because I'd be fucked. <laughs> yeah, when you were talking about ashtrays everywhere, I thought you were talking about my house. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, we don't ash on the floor because we're not savages. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but I think we have, like, between the front door and the kitchen, there's probably, like, four or five ashtrays. Yeah, there that, you go. You know, we love those silicone with the bowl scraper in the yes. center. Those are the shit. Easy to clean. Just throw in the dishwasher. Um, but yeah, no, our, our, we have like a dab station where most of our like glass and mm-hmm. stuff kind of stays. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a pipe out and, um, there's fucking weed everywhere. Kind of feel, especially with Mindy, you probably have like the pile of grams of oil where it's just like, you can make a pyramid out of this thing. Like move over Egypt. I got a bigger one. We got an Ottoman for our weed. <laughs> <laughs> so many times I'm ready to pull a trigger on some of this stuff. Where I go, there's one time my, my sweet mom, she'll come over sometimes and there was one day she comes and she bought like a makeup organizer for me and she's like, I figured you could put all your drugs in here. And I'm like, thanks mom. <laughs> it's just like, it's all the oil containers though because they're just all the little pucks and the bad thing too, kind of like Keegan said, you know, you get a discount and all of a sudden you're like, well, that looks really good and that's a nice price and you get the FOMO, the fear of missing out and all of a sudden it's like, well, this strain's gonna be gone and man, this clapping cheeks from fucking these guys is just too good looking of a strain that I got to get it right now and you just accrue it all and I'm like I don't smoke it as fast as I buy it yeah when I was a bud tender especially mm-hmm. um, and this was probably the pinnacle of the amount of cannabis I could consume at one time I was damned and determined that I was going to have tried every gram of concentrate in the store which was impossible it never actually happened but yeah you take two dabs out of something the next day i bring home a fresh gram mm-hmm. i've still got fucking point eight in the one i bought yesterday but no no, no. We're, we're getting something new today i gotta have a new flavor yeah uh so what, what do you do with your crusty dabs because we all know if you wait too long they start to dry out and they get crusty uh so i make topicals actually Ooh, that's um, a really good idea yeah yeah i, I uh this is kind of crazy, but I think topicals are my favorite product category in cannabis. Um, it's one of the most um, like accessible to all types mm-hmm. of people um, use for cannabis. Um, you know, you can have people that are like, they would never smoke a joint. They would never actually consume cannabis to get high, but there's utility in the topical part. So um, over the years, I've kind of developed my own recipe for how I like topicals to both sit on my skin and uh, affect my body. And so anything that gets crusty or old weed that I'm like, yeah, I got this two months ago. I'm not going to smoke this. That all goes into a jar that eventually gets turned into some infused topicals. So, yeah. What about you guys? Do you ever just have like a bunch of just weed left over kind of a thing? Do you do anything clever with it like that or doesn't make it to that point? Uh, the last time I cleaned out my weed, I gave about two ounces of old samples to Mitch. Yeah, yeah there it is. He he still owes me some topics. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I, I know for me, I have the one buddy, and I'll tease him a little bit, where, you know, Mitch, you were talking about, what are you, the chimney cleaner, because you'll smoke Chimney anything. sweeper, Chimney yeah. sweeper, yeah, Trevor, get it right. No, but I, uh, I have a buddy where I, well, I'll just offload stuff to him, to be very honest, where I'm just like, man, this is weed. Like, they put an expiration date on oil, which I'm very curious about, because I don't know if it fully expires. But like we said, you know, it can dry out eventually. Man, I had some stuff that's like three years expired, supposedly, and I'm just like, if you'll smoke it, I have it. Otherwise, it's hitting the trash can, and man, he'll just eat it up and just take all that stuff. And so I'm, I'm kind of thankful for that. And hey, I'm being a good friend, right? I'm trying to give him that stuff. But also, I just look at me myself, and I'm just like, Trevor, why are you buying this shit still? And then I'll go and I'll turn around and then go buy more weed at the store, right? Yeah, I have buddies all over the Pacific Northwest, and basically any time that I'll drive, go visit them, mm-hmm. I'm bringing a care package, mm-hmm. like 100% I of the time. I love being able to do that. Isn't yeah, it nice? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And, you know, like <laughs> one, one of my friends that literally, I, I will see him once a year. I will drive out there once a year to go hang out for three or four days. And he smokes so little weed that 
literally year to year, like he's like, I'm about out. Are you coming up in the next two weeks? And it's like, yeah, I'll be there. Don't worry. I, and I got stuff for you. I'll bring another one gram of flour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's not quite that. No, no, but, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess also um, I don't smoke very much flour anymore. Uh -huh. um, if I do, it's just joints. But, you know, sometimes we'll get um, employee AFs, you know, for five bucks of some top shelf. And I kind of have that FOMO thing. It's like, fuck, I've got to get to buy it. It then it ends up sitting in my house for two months, but then I'll end up going down to Walla Walla. And so it's just become a routine. I'll take a couple eighths down with me. We'll smoke a couple bowls and then I just leave it for my dad. Yep, there you go. <laughs> nice. I, I don't have anything left over because it's just, I only buy what I smoke. And then yep. I used to like, like you said, like it was like everything that came in, I had to buy, had to try it out. And then eventually I was just like, well, I've realized that it's like, I only really like certain farms mm -hmm. and within that group I found strings that I really like and so now it's like I'll only buy root down super lemon haze or whatever and it's like if they don't have that then it's like well what do you have within these brands yep no that that makes a lot of sense but yeah with I try and set a budget so I'm always just like there was a, a while when I worked at uh, the other cannabis shop before I came here to Cinder and they, they kept track of how much you spent on weed and, oh. and not like they kept track of it where they were like, Hmm, but they were just like, Hey, do you want to know? And in the three years there, when you spend, you know, like over $10,000 on weed, you're mm -hmm. all of a sudden like, wait a second, I maybe need mm -hmm. to, uh, reevaluate what I'm doing here. When I was making tips, every fucking every penny of that yep. went to cannabis. Yeah. Every, uh, and the way I kind of looked at it was like customers are paying me for the service I provided and part of the service I'm providing is being knowledgeable about these products. So yeah, I'm going to spend the money that they're giving me that they absolutely don't have to on continuing to provide that great service. And I think, <laughs> I honestly think most bud tenders kind of approach it that way as well. I think so too. Don't have a kid. Blippi takes all your money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is. yeah exactly. Well, guys, I've had a great conversation with you guys. Uh, I think we've learned a little bit about how we got into this industry. Was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? Okay, so we have, uh, you know, this was brought up a little bit earlier by Keegan, is we, we have our HR gal here and, uh, you know, really a great person. Uh, and tonight, uh, she has a little bit of an interesting task ahead of her. Mm. Um, something for, it's actually a school project she's working on. And what, what she has to do tonight, and I'm curious how you guys would approach this, is for 24 hours, you have to kind of put yourself almost into solitary. No cell phone, you know, like no electronics. I mean, you can have like the lights on, but like you can't have like your MP3 player or whatever. MP3 player, yeah. Trevor, what? Uh, 2004. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, so it's like, you know, you can't have any electronics, you can't play video games. Um, you can't read uh, any books or whatever. You can like read something if it's like for school related, so you could do some work. But the issue is, is how the class was set up. There is no schoolwork left. And I think they just did that in case you had another class you had to do something for. But anyways, as it goes through it, what would you guys do if you were in a room 24 hours? And they say, you know, try not to sleep the whole time too. Because that, that was almost my first reaction was like, well, I'd go into it like that. And I think actually, I know Hutch, we, we talked to her about this and, and this is the part of it all is they say no vices. So no nicotine, weed, alcohol or whatnot. What would you guys do for that time? And would you cheat and just smoke before you went in there anyways? I would cheat the whole time. You and, you and her both. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I would do that for a couple of hours, mm -hmm. write down my experience and be like, when she was telling me that, I was just like, I, I think maybe three of you guys will actually do this. Yeah. That actually scares me. Like Totally, to think I, about that. I don't know. 
I was like coming up with like dumbass ideas for how her. How do you maintain sanity in mm-hmm. that kind of fuck? I, I think that's probably the point of the exercise, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do you maintain sanity when there is no external stimulation? Mm-hmm. Like, do you at least get like a pencil and pad? So or that, you, like, that's where, completely... from what it sounded like, like you would be able to do that. So my thought was like, um, I was like, I would bring, I would get a canvas and acrylic paint and try to paint for the first time ever. Or yeah. I would turn and I was, uh, this is what I brought up to her. And I think this maybe is what she's doing. So we'll find out is uh, a puzzle. And I was like, I don't know, let's do a puzzle or something. Mm. Right. But at that point too, it's, it's interesting. Cause we have to like entertain ourselves so much, you know, beyond just the vices. Cause my thought too is like, fuck just get like belligerent get crossed and then go in there and then just like derp around but that almost sounds miserable too because you would want to do something else you'd want to listen to music or something and you can't do that i'd be like hey hey husband can you just put the boom box up against the wall and just blast it no uh hutch what are your thoughts on this (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i know what you're gonna say (laughs) you're right you do (laughs) I would say like, I, would, I would shoot for four to six times. <laughs> That's, yeah, I, I think so too. <laughs> just make sure to stay real hydrated the whole time. Just, yeah, just that was my initial thought. I'm, like, I'm gonna get sore. Like, there's no fucking way. I'm gonna get bored after the first couple of times. Like, fuck. Just all imagination. <laughs> Man, I, that corner's looking good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I would probably try to write some music or lyrics or something like try to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, you know, music is poems until there's actual music behind it. Right. But uh, (laughs) I would try to do something to keep myself entertained. Cause if I just stared at the wall for 24, Mm -hmm. I'm coming out of that room, a different person than I went in. Like in this world where every moment requires stimulation for me in particular, that's just how I've always been like to be unstimulated by external forces for 24 hours, no phone, no video games, no music. Like that's going to be a tough, that's a challenge. Yeah. When, when she told me like everything about it, cause I was like, Oh, well you can read. I was like, I just read or whatever. That's easy. And then she said you couldn't read. And I was like, the fuck are you supposed to do? But you could do, I, if you could do a puzzle, at least it's a little bit better, but yeah, see, and that's where it goes too. Cause then also at that point, I would almost argue where it's like, well, maybe you shouldn't be able to do a puzzle because you are bringing in something outside, you know? So you really try to limit it down where I, I do kind of like Mitch's approach where I'd maybe try to be creative and like come up with like a poem or a song in, in my head almost at that point. It's like what you would do. Or I would just stare at that sexy corner and see what it does for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have a dad joke for you guys that you reminded me with the puzzle thing. Maybe. So, I finished my first puzzle last week. Feeling pretty proud of myself. It only took me 18 months. Said three to five years on the box. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. All righty, Gig. Well, I had a great time today, I got to yeah. say. Same. I had a good time with you guys as well. I'm glad we can end it on a good dad joke. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us. My name's Keegan. I'm Mitch. This is Trevor. And Hutch. And we are the Chronicast. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Have yourselves an amazing day. Now for the required disclaimer. This product has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming. Marijuana can impair concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence of this drug. There may be health risks associated with consumption of this product. For use only by adults 21 and older. Keep out of the reach of children.